the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 11 a.m. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. Portions of this program may have been recorded. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Leibson Show. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson. 602-508-0960 is the number. It is Wednesday, July 6, 2022, and we're loaded for bear and fun and delighted to welcome back to uh, the guest producing spot today, Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome back. Jeremy recently uh, moved uh, moved up here. He is now our... Um, Vice President of Operations, Jeremy. It's great to have you with us, and congrats uh, publicly. Uh, congrats on uh, on the uh, elevation, sir. Thank you very much, and you know I'm very happy to be here. Yes. Uh, I call you 17 as a nickname just to remind uh, you that I have worked for this company one year longer than you. <laughs> okay. Next I year you. I will call you 18. All right, I'm working my way up. Okay, there's no magazine dedicated to 18-year-olds. There is a magazine dedicated to 17-year-olds, but in any event, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We've got a heck of a show. My gosh, we've got great guests. We've got Rick Grinnell joining us. Uh, we've got, of course, Congressman Schweikert, as we do every Wednesday. Vera Gibran, you're not going to want to miss interview with Vera. She's uh, amazing, uh, running for state legislature, a game-changing candidate. Now, very few people running for state legislature are game-changers. She's a game-changer. Uh, Bethany Mandel is uh, going to be joining us uh, as well in the third hour. I'll do my monologue in the third hour, too. At the top of the third hour, I'll do my monologue. Uh, let me start out with this. There's so many places I could start. I'll, I'll just start with this because a lot of people have been talking to me about it. Thus, it must be on your minds as well a little bit. If you don't know about it, I will tell you. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, two things he's doing. Uh, one is per- I, I think it's constitutional. I think, I'm sure it is. I'm almost sure it is. The other I am actually pretty sure it isn't. Let's start with the constitutional but ridiculous and absurd. He's running ads in Florida. You know about this? You may know more about this than the other one. I'll tell you about the other one in a second, too, but stay with me. Steve Hayward brings this out the best over at Powerline. Uh, So Gavin Newsom is running ads in California uh, trying to get people to move from from Florida to California, particularly people who could vote for him, I suppose. And uh, you you might wonder if it's a good use of, uh, of, of funds. But uh, here's part of the message he's uh, distributing in Florida on TV. Quote, I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate and the freedom to love. When Newsom says this, the images proceed from an aerial shot of the Santa Monica Pier to a rainbow flag waving in the hands of two women with arms around each other. And then the message, don't let them take your freedom. 
Wow. So much in uh, those two sentences in the message. First of all, just do people think of freedom when they think of California? Is that is that what people think of? Join us in California where we still believe in free. Does anyone even do even the liberals think of California as a place of freedom? I mean, I, you talk to liberals in California, even they admit that, yeah, we there's a lot of regulation. Does anyone remember COVID? Does anyone remember COVID? Really? Uh, uh, that's a whole other category of concern for me, by the way, a COC, a category of concern. It's a whole other category. Does anyone remember what transpired in this country for two years? Businesses being shut down and schools being closed and masks and vaccines being mandated and you couldn't go to work if you weren't. Do you notice that was kind of one of the hilariously uh, ironic and hypocritical things of the presidential Medal of Freedom that Joe Biden uh, doled out on Monday? You know, he gave one to the first nurse who was vaccinated. Now. You just got to wonder about what kind of – is it Orwellian? I don't even know if it's Orwellian at this point. It might just be some dystopian other thing. You got to wonder about a country where the president gives the highest civilian honor to someone for doing something that was mandated. She had to take it to keep her job. She had no choice. Do you get awards? No, I guess we do that, don't we? We give awards for showing up. So anyone could have gotten the Medal of Freedom, I suppose. But she got the Medal of Freedom for something that was mandated, and as my friend Jim says, not only for something that was mandated, but something that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what we're stuck in. Anyway, that was a, a divergence from this uh, point about Newsom I wanted to make, two points about Newsom I want to make. So he gives this uh, – he puts off this – he uh, issues this ad in Florida – I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom as you see a rainbow flag uh, with uh, the waving hands of two women with arms around each other. To which Steve Hayward says, "Uh, seriously? Apart from the fact that this is horse manure, no Republican is going to attack gays, etc., that is what he is going to use to attract support from Hispanics, black males, Asians, suburbanites, blue-collar types, etc., in the industrial Midwest? Seriously? Is he actually going to defend drag queens prancing in front of kindergartners? Okay, you say he's trying to lock up the Democratic Party left-wing base before moving to the center. Again, precisely how will he do that? He has to run on some kind of record that enables him to claim to be a moderate. I just don't see how he would do that. Furthermore, I don't think it's going to be as easy as some believe to make DeSantis' middle name Trump, in that DeSantis doesn't have to say a negative word about Trump, even as his surrogates tell the journalists on background how DeSantis and Trump have a frayed relationship. DeSantis has a very different style. DeSantis supporters believe that he you know, has a different appeal to different voting blocks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but unlike the case in 2016, when Trump could criticize the other GOP candidates on various grounds, whether justified or not, there's not a lot to criticize DeSantis about if you're a Republican, whether you're a moderate or whether you're Trump or whatever flavor of Republican you are. Um it's it's an amazing thing what 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 Newsom is trying to do. I don't think Newsom is nearly as stupid as Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, which is not a very exacting standard. But he's not a rocket scientist. 
You ever hear his interview? Let me depart for a moment. You ever hear his interview with Adam Carolla? Worth listening to. It's about an hour long, and the last 20 minutes are unbelievably precious when they're talking about welfare and unemployment, and Adam just drills in on uh, – uh, uh, well, I won't spoil it for you, but if you want to hear Newsom at his best, which is to say at his worst, which is to say Newsom, listen to the Adam Carolla interview. It's available on, on you know all over the Internet or whatever. All right. Steve Hayward says Newsom is basically dumb. He's never had to confront serious GOP conservative arguments, and the only thing he knows are are left-wing nostrums, like the rainbow horse manure, an example of which in the quote above. Newsom versus DeSantis. Think about it. DeSantis is smart, quick on his feet, and understands how to talk to the media. In a debate, DeSantis would crush Newsom, just absolutely crush him. Just happened to believe that Newsom would carry the deep blue states and not much else. Think about this. Think about this, appealing to Floridians to come to California because California is more free than Florida. Now, it's legal for him to do that. It's constitutional, I think, for him to do that. But did you know that California won't pay for travel to states where they prohibit transgender girls in sports and that Arizona is one of them? Let me read to you from the Sacramento Bee. Not the Babylon Bee, Sacramento Bee. California is banning state-funded travel to four states that passed laws this year prohibiting transgender women and girls from competing in school sports according to their gender identity. State agencies will no longer pay for travel to Arizona, Indiana, Louisiana, or Utah. I guess I don't understand why Florida is exempt there. Maybe Florida is exempt because... Gavin Newsom has carved out an exception because he's running ads there, and it would be violative of his own state policies to spend money in a state that you can't allow your state employees to travel to. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But if that is the reasoning, that adds to the unconstitutional. I believe what I believe is the unconstitutionality of this. Do you know why it's unconstitutional? A little something I thought the Democratic Party believes in, or at least says they do. They didn't believe in it when it was passed. Maybe they don't believe in it now. It's called the 14th Amendment. Look it up. Look it up. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. How in the heck could someone with a straight face yesterday say Seb Gorka has the best bumper music. It's not It's not even rationally possible. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. 17 years in business, Cool Touch has an A-plus rating with the BBB and has never received a complaint with the ROC. When it comes, I love this, this saying of um, Chris Funk, who founded the company. When it comes to hiring, Cool Touch believes that it's easier to teach a good person about air conditioning than it is to teach a technician how to be a good person. 
Yeah, they're really good people there. They mean it. They do great work. Cool Touch. If you need uh, repair, inspection, replacement, new, whatever you need to guard your air conditioning, certainly plumbing, give Cool Touch a call at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. Or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. That's cooltouchac.com. It's the only um, only company I use. Jeremy, uh before I get into this here, uh, d- dogs. Tell the audience about your dogs. You have you have a couple. I have a couple. People dogs. love to know about this. I have one collie husky wolf hybrid mix. She was my worst puppy, but my best dog. How much wolf? I don't know. A small percentage. Can you see she it? Has the marking? Okay. And then also a bloodhound. Interesting. Which he is tough to walk because he just goes by his nose and sniffs everything. And is slow. All he wants to do. And is slow. He, he's pretty quick at the dog park. He gets around. Oh, he does. Yes, he does. And does he get along well with the with the wolf? Oh, they're two peas in a pod. I almost adopted a wolf. I I was holding it. You can see it on my Twitter feed. It's three months old. It's the cutest thing I've ever it, seen. It's pretty cute. But I yeah you know I'm I've Dagny. I can't. Uh, I can't divide my uh, I can't divide my uh, my uh, uh, amours my order amorum as Saint Augustine put it my order of love starts and ends with Dagny there uh, welcome back six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero over at the Spectator they did a great job of um, of disassembling uh, Gavin Newsom's ad campaign so again Gavin Newsom is running ads in Florida come to California where we still believe in freedom not banning books, not making it harder to vote, not restricting speech in classrooms or criminalizing women and doctors. Okay, so no books are banned in Florida. Any book may be bought, sold, circulated, read, and having books mandated for use in public education is hardly an inalienable right. No Floridian eligible to vote has any difficulty casting a ballot even if those seeking to vote illegally or posthumously may now encounter obstacles. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) fair enough. The only classroom speech restricted in Florida is speech instructing students that they are inherently racist or that expose children under the age of eight, under the age of eight, to explicit sexuality of any type. Florida's viewpoint diversity law, which came into effect This month expressly prohibits any action in a public education institution that limits access to or observation of ideas and opinions that they may find uncomfortable, unwelcome, disagreeable, or offensive. It also mandates surveys to assess whether faculty and students feel free to express their beliefs and viewpoints on campus and in the classroom. Unsurprisingly, it is now Florida rather than California that many consider to have the best public university system in America. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Large majorities of Floridians and Americans favor these provisions. I don't think most people who disagree with what Governor DeSantis and the Florida legislature did with the transgender books for five, six, and seven, and eight-year-olds. Again, remember, this only has to do with the public schools under the age of eight, okay? I don't think most people who object to that stuff have ever really spent time with those books. And if they have, if they have, 
ask yourself if it's right for taxpayers to be endowing that for five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds. Now, if you think it is, if you think it is, then I'm just going to use the expression, I'm sorry this is happening to you. You need help. You need help. The sexualization of children requires that you get assistance. Eric is in Phoenix. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Um, You're going to have Representative Schweikert on, and I'd like you to question him on what he's going to do about these poor American citizens that are incarcerated in Washington, D.C., where they're not going to get a fair trial. Okay. And uh, see if he could get something done about this. This is outrageous. Okay. And uh, you were talking about the Declaration of Independence before. I know that there was no insurrection or no weapons, you know, no armed insurrection, but it says in the Declaration of Independence that when our government becomes abusive of these ends, it's our, it's our right to throw it off. You know, I forgot the exact wording. I think it's so important. How can, how can our people Did you hear what I said? this I think when it's, they're going I think to be it's important. in prison? I think it's important. The yes. exact wording is important. Yes. Uh, when's, also, the la- when's the last time you looked at it? This week. Okay. I just, I just can't. I don't have it in front of me right now. Okay. Okay. But uh, you mentioned in your— Let me give it to you. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, and you know the ends are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? right? It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness— Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. It requires, then, a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, and minces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. You think we have that? Yes. We meet that test? We need, we need to alter You think we meet that test? Uh, so much for that. You'll, no, you'll, not so much for that, Eric. You think we meet the test that armed revolution, because of a long train of abuses and usurpations that has brought us absolute despotism, has been met? I think that we've had enough abuses, yes. Okay, I think it's a little stronger than that for an armed revolution, don't you? Then we've had enough abuses. That's not what the Declaration says. It says absolute despotism. Well, look at the condition that those people are living under. They're denied their rights. We're having hassles around the clock here with these people. I understand that. And 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 have you donated to their legal defense? No, I haven't. Okay. I didn't know there was such a thing. Okay. All right. So the other last time I called you, I wanted to speak to you about your your bicycling. I've been a bicycle rider for fifty seven yes, years. And I'd like to hear what your you said you accomplished some records, so let's let's talk about what you, what have you done. Uh what have I done? I have increased uh, my speed and distance, calorie loss, and when I ride against others, I have increased what, uh, what, what, where I am in, in my percentages. So I'm now riding in the 98th percentile against my peers. I started riding in the 90th. So I do approximately 16 and a half miles every day in about 45 minutes. Uh, at an average pace of about 22 miles per hour. That's what I do. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's time for our culture and economy update. No one to do that better with than John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. And he has his own radio show, The Word on Wealth, heard every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m. John Dombrowski, happy Wednesday. Hey, how's it going, Seth? I'm doing fine. Are you a Jim Croce fan? Uh, Yeah. Those lyrics are beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, I remember Bad Leroy Brown. Sure. Have you ever heard Sinatra's version of that, by the way? Uh, Yes. It's not as good. Yeah, it's just not as... Not the same. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. Anyway, uh, thank you for for doing this with us, as you always do, John. Um, there was this interesting tweet. You 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 are so good about uh, bringing uh, the economic uh, uh, economic uh, intelligence down to the uh, down to earth. There was this interesting tweet that I I wanted to run by you from uh, one Ron and Sana, who I don't often agree with, but I just right. wondered if this in and of itself what this meant. Any anyone noticing that along with stocks, bond yields, and commodities continuing to tumble, markets move first, first growth and inflation follow. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that to me? Along with stocks, bond yields, and commodities continuing to tumble, markets move first, growth and inflation follow. Yeah, what we're finding is, is and oftentimes this, this does prove itself out, is, is that the markets are very intelligent, and they seem to uh, move ahead of the curve okay. of a lot of things as a little bit of an indicator for us. Of course, economic news drives the markets as well. Right. Uh, but when you're looking right now at the markets that have been in a little bit of a downturn, obviously, as we say, some might say a lot of a downturn, you know, hitting bear market territory. And again, I look at bear market territory down 20% from their highs uh, is not always the worst thing in the world because we're, you know, looking for now the opportunity to buy back companies maybe at a much lower value that we still believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it gives opportunity for those out there who are long-term investors to take advantage of these dips that occur. Um, but when we look at uh, forecasting then inflation and other areas of the market, uh, one of the indicators, as we saw, was uh, the cost of everything as it's increasing, right? And we look at inflation and what drives uh, this type of uh, you know prices for commodities and so forth, as we saw oil prices surging and the demand it's all about all about supply and demand, mm-hmm. uh, Seth, as we know. And the COVID nineteen had a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, unknowns that ultimately created a lot of challenges for us worldwide. And we're starting to see this as we talked about yesterday with um, even the dollar coming in parity with uh, the euro, which hasn't happened for twenty years. So we're starting to see the dollar strengthening. Why? Because the rest of the world is also feeling these inflationary pressures. And ultimately, we're now starting to see, as the Fed is trying to get ahead of this, we're starting to see uh, the supply and demand maybe come a little bit more in line. We're starting to see um, commodity prices falling, which is interesting. Even look at gold, Seth, which is something that is down about 15% from its high back in March yeah. when it broke above $2,000. Right. And we'd say, well, why? What What does gold have to do with this? Well, gold is a commodity. Right. Steel prices are down. Lumber prices are down. Uh, we're starting to see the price of oil down below $100 a barrel. Uh, all of the pressures that we've been feeling of inflationary pressures by ri- by the rates going higher uh, is starting now. We're starting to see this indication that maybe – 
this is having a positive effect on the inflationary pressures we've been feeling. So that's well done, John. Thank you for that. And I understood it. Uh, Does that lead you to conclude that the Fed should pause for a bit and reassess, as, as, as this person says, or or have, have is it time for to just see what happens with the with the with the stocks, bond yields, and commodities right now, or should the Fed be moving faster? I I believe, again I'm not an economist, right. but I just from what I'm seeing and everything that I'm looking and reading, it seems like the Fed probably still has a little more tightening to do. Okay. Uh, and and I think because they still want to stay ahead of this, you know, they're they're waiting and trying to see what their overall. Uh, you know, uh, numbers are going to look like here, especially jobs come out this Friday. That's something that they're going to be looking at. Uh, but it's most likely going to be the Fed still going to continue to have to tighten. Now, maybe they don't go three quarters this next yeah. race. Maybe maybe not. Maybe it's a half. Uh, but they're going to assess three that quarters that was decision. a little more than most expected. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, right. I think originally they right. thought a half. But yeah. when they came out and said three quarters, I think the market felt after it happened, I think it was probably the right decision. Perfect. Thank you, John. You betcha. Securities and uh, advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thank you, Seth. You're the best, sir. Thank you, John. Yes. Bye-bye. Okay. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I always pause on that song, I have to confess. We did a version of that back when I... Uh, was playing in jazz ensemble, and uh, I remember it was once introduced as a as a Joni Mitchell song by the uh, conductor, which it wasn't. Anyway, just a, just a little memory bubble there, a little Carol King for you. Uh, this is interesting to me. It's getting a, a it's getting a lot of news, and um, well, anyway, let me give you the headline. Uh, I'll give it to you from the Washington Post. FBI director. Christopher Ray, FBI director, suggests China bracing for sanctions if it invades Taiwan. Sure, that's the big takeaway. But what the main story is, is that FBI director Ray is warning the country that China is becoming an economic and military threat to the United States. Now, what's interesting to me about that is twofold. One, why is that a headline? And two, what took Christopher Ray so long? How many people, how many news outlets, how many commentators, how many columnists at the New York Times made continual sport of Donald Trump for his policies to get tough? On China, he was really, in many respects, on the case of China for many years. It's an interesting thing, you know. People think, it, I, you know, I don't need to make too big of a deal of this, but a lot of people, you know, said Donald Trump had, you know, had had very little political intelligence or political experience. That that just betrays their ignorance of political history. Donald Trump was writing uh, ads, paying paying for and, and issuing full-page ads in major newspapers as far back as 2000, you know, over 20 years ago and certainly over 15 years ago by the time he ran for president, over 15 years, the course of 15 years by the time he ran for president, warning about trade and economic warfare from China. Conservatives have been talking 
about China and the threat for decades. I mean, you can go as far back if you want to the Nixon administration uh, and its China policy and what it cost the world and the United States, of course, and the people of Taiwan to get China into the United Nations, something William Buckley campaigned hard against and something known as the Committee of a Million. Him and um, it was William Buckley and uh, Marvin Liebman, I guess, was his assistant on that. Uh, the Committee of One Million people were opposing allowing China into the United Nations, particularly at the expense of Taiwan. Funny story. Uh, Bill Buckley. I don't know if any of you have this, by the way. I, I was at a cocktail uh, reception a couple weeks ago, and I was invoking uh, William Buckley to someone uh, about my age, about my age, someone in their early 50s. And they gave me a blank stare. They they didn't know who William Buckley was, and I explained it. Is that a name that just doesn't mean much to people in our movement anymore? I'm curious. Has has the frame frame of frame of has has the vanishing frame of reference so soaked us that 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 people in 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 under the age of I don't know sixty don't know who William Buckley is anymore? I mean he he died in the late two thousands. In any event, I'm just curious about that. And if it's true that people don't know who he is anymore or don't remember who he was anymore, uh, what does that say about our? What does that say about our pantheon? What does that say about our giants? What does that say about people we can quote? Who are conservatives people can quote and look to for intellectual leadership anymore? If 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 not even William Buckley is remembered. I mean, gosh, you know, I'm invoking more abstruse names than that all the time. I sometimes worry about that. But in any event, William Buckley, uh, and for those who don't know, he had a show called Firing Line, uh, which was the longest-running show, I believe, uh, longest-running talk show, I believe. Uh, he has he founded the National Review, uh, which uh, was, you know, the, the, the heartbeat of the conservative movement for decades. Uh, helping fuel the uh, Goldwater uh, Revolution and the Reagan presidency. George Will once put it, uh, no uh, William Buckley, no National Review, no National Review, no Barry Goldwater, no Barry Goldwater, no Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's, 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 about, the right, that's about the right litany. In any event, William Buckley was being uh, considered by the Nixon White House to be a special envoy to the United Nations. There's a lot of special envoys, so it's not—anyway, it, it wasn't ambassador to the U.N., but it was ambassadorial status, I believe. He was being, uh, he was being considered to be the special envoy to the United Nations, and this was shortly after uh, Nixon, uh, Nixon uh, allowed—helped, uh, you know, uh, helped allow uh, China into the United Nations— and uh, the chief of staff, uh, I believe it was, uh, Haldeman, calls William Buckley and asks him, uh, now, if, if we are to go forward with this nomination, I have to ask, have you done anything that, uh, that has embarrassed or would be considered embarrassing to the president of the United States? <laughs> and without missing a beat, William Buckley said no, but the president of the United States has done an awful lot that embarrasses me. <laughs> <laughs> Only someone like William Buckley could get away with saying that, by the way, but kind of funny, but also showing you the conservative effort to expose the dangers of elevating China 
uh, to the uh, to the level of respectability, not only on the world stage, but, you know, with American commerce. I remember uh, groups of people in the conservative movement were talking when we were dealing with uh, uh, when we were doing dealing with uh, permanent normal trade relations and World Trade Organizations, PNTR with China and all that. I remember people saying on our side, I remember particularly a speech Gary, Gary Bauer once gave saying, you know, our openness with China has changed us more than it's changed them. And I've never forgotten that. I think that's an important thing to think about when we engage in relations or relationships with uh, rogue or tyrannous regimes. Um, is, is the effort to change them ever on the radar screen? Ever? Now, I know the, mantle, the mantra was that if we open China to economic freedom or help open, pry open China to economic freedom, uh, other freedoms will follow. Well, that's in direct contradiction to almost everything we know about human nature, including, I believe, in the opening chapters of Milton Friedman's book on uh, freedom and capitalism. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad the Democrats are now, and Christopher Wray and this group is now concerned about China. But, you know, when you condemn conservatives, maybe, maybe think, may, you know, maybe think twice. Because at some point, at some point, when you're a conservative and you're dealing with reality and the facts bear themselves out, you might just be coming along to our side and our point of view over time. By the way, I think that's true of the CRT stuff. I think it's true of the transgender stuff that we're teaching kids. I think it's true of a lot of stuff. Stay strong, conservatives. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They are good people, and they're doing really well by doing good, helping others dig out of debt, doing it the right way, paying down those debts, paying off those debts. And you can be, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y and R-E-F-Y.com. They're a local company. You can visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They'll just tell you about what it is that they do and let it speak for itself. 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087, or investyrefi.com. I couldn't let this go without mentioning it. We've got a bunch of guests coming up. You're going to love it. But I couldn't let this go without mentioning this astounding poll. Just step back a moment. Just step back one second as I read this to you, or as I mention this, and, 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 and engage in a thought experiment that isn't very hard, I don't think. Here it is. If you ran a company or any kind of institution or worked in a company or any kind of institution where 90% of the employees or the customers were saying we're doing the wrong thing, we're going in the wrong direction, wouldn't that be a hair-on-fire moment? Wouldn't that be uh, gather everyone possible around the table, bring in the experts if you need to? If 9 out of 10, if 90% said you're doing the wrong thing and you're going in the wrong direction? The Monmouth University poll has it that 88% of Americans, not Republicans, Americans, 
Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliated, 88% are saying this country is on the wrong track. It's the highest number since Monmouth University polling has been asking that question. Think about that. Think about that. By the way, 18% of Democrats say the country is going in the right direction. 18% within that poll. That means you have fewer than 20, less than 20% of Democrats in a Democratic-run Washington, D.C. presidency, House, and Senate. Only 18% think they're doing the right thing. I just think that's an astounding number. I mean, as a first point of discussion or debate, if someone's trying to defend this administration on anything, simply ask them, well, why do you think 90% of the rest of the country thinks you're wrong? Might not be a bad discussion point. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.